0: And tonight, my subject here is looking at the life through the wide-angle lens of karma. So what I do know is my subject is karma tonight. (laughs) Whether it's wide-angle or uh, it is zoom or whatever it is, but my subject is karma. And it is, uh, it is really nice to mention a um, wide angle because last week we talked about the reincarnation. And if you think about reincarnation and then your perspective of the life and uh, everything, it is uh, such a bigger, much bigger, the life just does not, I'm talking about it with the reincarnation view. Life just does not begin at the time of the birth. Life just does not end at the time of the death. It is a chapter within the book. It is a section within the the melodrama of our life—it is a, really a fragment. It is not the beginning; it is not the ending. If you are looking with the reincarnation view, but I don't think you were there yet. Some of you may be there, but many of us might not be there too. What happens is the karma is a very strange and it's important. It's a sort of karma sort of I don't want to use the word control, but it sort of manages or karma governs or manages. Most of our life. And that's why sometimes when we wanted things to turn out in such a way, but it doesn't do it, it does the other way. Sometimes we may say, it has its mind of its own. The mind of its own, so we know. We're not managing so well. So then the question comes, what's happening? It is the karmic consequences. And sometimes we're not so well prepared, we didn't expect to be so good, but the result turned out to be outstanding. And that is also it is a comic result. So it is very strange. It is also interesting. It is so powerful. Karma is also so powerful, it goes beyond everything. Interestingly enough. And um the minister here, becoming my good friend, Minister Karen Blunt, Karen told me she had to put an image of the Buddha here. It is the picture that sort of copied for 2,000 years old, carving and a replica of that picture over here. And it is very kind of her, to put anyway. thank you. She's a wonderful minister here. And of course, you also know, all of you know, her late husband has created this wonderful place for us to be. And anyway, so, you know, when you look at this picture, it is the picture of the Buddha passing away. Um, As a Buddhist, I should say Mahapuri Nirvana rather than passing away, but that means that. (laughs) In India, they have a system. They have to use Sanskrit language. They don't say, when Buddha died, you know, they don't use that word. They always use Mahapuri Nirvana. So even anniversaries, they don't call it Buddha's anniversary. They just say Mahapuri Nirvana anniversary. So, uh, so it is sort of aging Indian culture. Anyway, Mahapuri Nirvana. What does that mean? It passed away. <laughs> passed away. Even Buddha, with the Buddha's spiritual development, karmic cuts through. Cuts through. So Buddha is no more. So it is a limited time that Buddha appears as a Buddha and worked through and became a Buddha. It is so interesting if you look in the Buddha's life. Buddha was just born as a human being, just a human being, just like you and me, just like us, just a human being, and human, I should say, unfortunately, he happens to be Indian Prince. I say, yeah, unfortunate. If is not a prince, he's uh, just a, a sort of a super son or something, or super daughter for that matter, would have been even better for us today. But at that time, at that period, the India, the royal thing is so important, it, it helps him to affect more. But anyway, he just happens to be born in the royal family. Otherwise, just simple, ordinary person, just like you and me. And that simple, ordinary person, a really normal person, nothing extraordinary, just normal person who've been able to have the opportunity to get the information and utilize that information and meditate it. And I had overcome the overcome the difficulties and the obstacles, and became fully enlightened person called Buddha, even 2,692 years later. Is it 29 years later? Oh, maybe my figure dyslexic. <laughs> Either 92 or whatever. Anywhere 2,600 and some odd years after, even today, we here in the United States, it is far away from India where he was, and we all admire and look at him. And uh, it is becoming sort of a role model And sort of an example for us how we can develop ourselves. It becomes our teacher, becomes our role model, becomes our subject of admiration. Even 2600 years later. So that is, uh, you know, he can achieve that. It's all because of karma. Did you hear me? It's all because of karma. Now when I say all because of karma, so you may think, oh, karma decided that he should be Buddha. No, suddenly not. Karma does not decide anything. Karma is a karma, (laughs) has no life. Karma doesn't decide anything, but it's it's he himself decided to become what he wanted to be. Yes, he did work very hard because he discovered what was wrong? He was born, as I said earlier, as Indian princess. A prince, sorry. And that of one of the most wealthy, most powerful kingdom in India at that time. It is sort of um, multiple, so many kingdoms at that time in India. Sort of, you know. <laughs> picture what I'm getting at my head is meat. So many of them there. But uh, but this one is happened to be one big lump one. You know. Anyway. One of the most important kingdoms in India at that time. And they're looking for what they call it Chakrabarti Raja in Indian language. Universal king. The king who can really control all these smaller miniature and pieces of kingdoms here and there, all of them controlling under one king. That's what they call it, Chagarbati Raja, the golden wheel king, you know. So that's what they're looking for. And the whole country, the whole kingdom, the whole royal family are praying for it when that new son was going to be born. So, and they're praying, and they did, uh, get a son, and they're hoping he will be the universal king. And they have those soothsayers, you call that, right? Soothsayers. Sort of fortune teller type of thing, psychic soothsayers. And uh, they consulted a number of uh, soothsayers, And the soothsayer says he will be the universal king provided if he remains in the palace. So they got shocked, the royal family, saying, what is this? If he remains, where will he go? He doesn't remain in the palace, where will he go? So anyway, they said we have to take all the precautions that he will not run away from the palace. So they thought what the best precaution will be to well don't let him see any suffering or any pain at all. So let him enjoy the life, let him have the best luxurious life. So there's, there will be no reason why he will run away. So they build a, an artificial life for him. Uh, They built a palace, fantastic. You know, when Indians build palace, they know what to build. Look at Taj Mahal today. You know, all this. You know, they don't really know how to build, you know. I was uh, shocked when I saw this uh, red fort in Delhi. And it's a beautiful palace. They have running water, brought in, you know, running water, fresh running water, swimming pool becomes a swimming pool and it runs through your rooms and balconies and they uh, get into the swimming pool. And those are, you know, built a thousand years before, <laughs> you know. It's not a today's thing. It's a fantastic, you know, Indians know how to build a palace, yes, really. These old mm-hmm. Indians. So anywhere they they built the palace and uh, they kept him in the palace and everything is uh, perfect for. The music's running 24 hours. Every young person, beautiful, handsome, only young ones, even somebody who got cold is not even allowed to walk in there. And of course not an old person at all. So no suffering does not ever exist in the eyes of that little boy. So they sort of, sort of made him in that way. And even when he sees looking at some nice little young girl, and they made her immediately a queen, so 500 queens <laughs> yeah, really true. And also, but, but he was not satisfied with that artificial life as we would not. Even at our level, we would not. If we are put in some kind of beautiful thing and we are not allowed to go in certain area, we won't. We won't stay there an hour, you know. He stayed long term. And uh, he was trying to get out of uh, of out-of-bound areas for him. And uh, one day he decided to sit in that horse cart of his and told the diver, dive! And the, the diver doesn't know what to do. This is the prince, right? Go! Go! So he goes, and he goes outside and he see those strange things. People are sick, people are old, people are dying, people are crying, and all of those. And then he says, what the end So then they you know the old star they have to turn back to the guy and say, "God of God, King of King, universal king, this is called illness, this is called death, and this is called old age and uh, all this and then he says, "Will I be subject to this or am I a moon? And he said, they have the God of God King of King, you are not a immune." <laughs> And what about my family, because we are royal family. Are we immune? No. What about my subject that I'm supposed to protect? These are your the subjects. So that's how he discovered suffering. For Buddha, it's discovery. Because the kid was completely forbidden to see a suffering reality. So for us it's reality, for him it's discovery. He learned the true nature, And that is the time when he decided to look for what can I do for me? What can I do for my family? What can I do for a people that I'm supposed to be protecting and serving? So his idea is I'm going to go deep down in the deep down and find out what the really truth is all about. That is the idea. Really looking for the truth. Where does that all come from? Why we have such a different life here? What I have this, what they have this. What is the really truth? I would like to get down and uh, make sure whatever I can correct. And that's what he was looking for. He did not want it to be, I would like to be spiritually developed, some great things. No, he wanted to the truth. What's happening? How can I handle? And he did discover the truth. That discovery of truth is, and what he is on the basis of his experience, what he relates is a Buddhism. Today, what do we call it, Buddhism? It's not a religion in the sense of in the Western tradition. It's, a religion. it's not. I hope my friends, the Buddhists, don't get angry with me by telling Buddhism is not a religion. <laughs> Excuse me. But that's what I feel. That's what I feel. Because, you know, it begins with this. And try to try to get the bottom of everything. What is really true? So you know, he called for noble truth. The first what he discovered, the truth of suffering. Then he started looking for, hey, okay, this is truth of suffering. Can I change it? Is it possible to change, or is it something? Permanent fixture. There we can do nothing. What is it? Is there somebody can do something? So he found, yes, we can change it. We can make it better. But you cannot keep on fighting the symptoms of what the suffering, what we have. But you have to fight with the cause. So he begins call he, he called second noble truth truth of cause of suffering, he called that. That is his discovery. Why? Because of the karma. Karma is such a thing that we created something and when we created, we are responsible for that. Whatever I do, right or wrong, I am responsible. Whatever you do, Each and every one of us, and every one of you, whatever you do, you're responsible. And I'm responsible for me, you're responsible for you. A bottom line, that's a karma. Bare bones, that's a karma. Are you with me? All right. You know, the coming thing is something very strange. Buddha himself said, to discover the karma is even more difficult than discovering the truth. Absolute truth. Absolute truth to me means that when you really discover the absolute truth, you have solved the mystery of our life. Until that, we are in that biz of the mystery, you know, in that. And we get confused, and confusion, and all this, we get anger, and we get hatred, obsession, and sometimes happy, sometimes upset, sometimes we fight, sometimes we turn, sometimes we are friends, you know, all this of, of such a strange melodrama of our life is because we don't get to the bottom of it. We don't have the truth. And that's why we are subject of pushing bullying. And that is the part of karma. Karma really means when I created the cause, I have the result. If I don't create the cause, I can never have that is the basic principle that the Buddha discovered. It did not discover easily. He went through with a tremendous suffering. He is a prince, one of the best prince in the biggest kingdom. Sort of really hope of Future of total universe at that time. Yet, he has to skip at the night, leaving five hundred queens <laughs> and 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 this royal cloth, and all of them. And he got one guy who looks after his horse. He got them at the night with his royal dress and by the time when he got under the tree he took off all his royal clothes off cut his hair and sent back with that guy for along with the horse to the family and told them don't search for me if I find the truth I'll come back if I don't don't search for me and the guy you know really went through a such A difficult time that, you know, he's become so thin and so, you know, sitting there and meditating, not getting food, not getting food for six years. They say, you know, he had a couple of uh, whatever drops or something, you know, one or two grains a day, and he survived for six years. Title: Find, you know, it's very interesting. Then what did you find? You find the extreme sacrificing does not give you answer. Believe it or not, what do we think? We really go right. It's very funny. He had a, He he built up again disciples there. You know, while he is meditating, people couldn't figure out. Whether, I mean, this is 2,600 years' story. Believe it or believe it, there's a little exaggeration for sure. But, you know, what they say is they couldn't figure out whether it is a branch of a tree or human being. <laughs> That's what they say. So anyway, he got six people following him. No, sorry, five. Along with him, there's six. So all are doing the same thing. And one day he discovered, again, extreme thing is not an answer. So today, you know, we find a lot of people who are doing a lot of extreme things. Burning themselves, burning their fingers, or doing all kinds of things. What do we call that? Sacrifice. Even then, that's a little better. There are other people who does sacrifices for other persons at their expenses, you know. They're all extremely wrong, Buddha discovered at that time. Extreme thing is also not right. When he discovered that, when he realized he has to eat, he has to survive, and uh, with good luck, there is um, a farmer's daughter walked by. And he looked at the Buddha and all this and so really felt so sorry for them. And she went back and brought a milk. Of course, it's a Buddhist story, 2,600 years story. They said 500 cows, milk been sort of boiled and shrink in one bowl. I don't know whether that's true or not, but definitely she brought milk for sure. So she wanted to give milk, the other five refused. And the Buddha took it. When the Buddha took those, those five disciples of his, horrified, saying, this guy, we followed him, he is so good until now. Now the farmer's daughter comes by, he couldn't manage himself, he got to take the milk. So they left him, actually they did leave him, you know. they left him and then after they taking milk, he built his strength, he built his energy and that with that power he been able to discover the truth, he become a Buddha. After he become a Buddha, he said, I found something like a nectar, but if I speak to anybody, they will never be able to understand me. So therefore, I better give myself silence, completely. He said, I'm not going to speak, I'll be running around, running around in the forest and meditating. And don't those, these angels and all of those, the Brahmins, Indras, according to the Hindu tradition, they are sort of represents God. And all of those come in and they say, hey, you discovered this, and if you don't share with the people, what is the use for you? What happened to your body mind of uh, of uh, the helping people where all they disappeared, what happened. So please do share. And he said, Well if I have to talk to people, nobody will understand me. I better not talk. He said, Yes, the people will understand. So who? he said, All your old five people. <laughs> they told of all your old five people. <laughs> so he said, they let me and they'll come after you. Don't worry about it. So if they don't come after you, you better go to them. (laughs) So they told them. They didn't show up. Buddha went to them. Anyway. So when Buddha went to them, they all said, oh, this guys coming. Let us not get up. Let us not respect him. So that's what they decided. So when Buddha came nearby, they automatically got up. They automatically bowed down. And they couldn't. And then they call it, hey, Kottama. And his, he said, don't call me Kottama, I'm a Buddha now. And that was the first breaking the ice in between them. And then, you know, Buddha shared, first of his experience is the Four Noble Truth. So the bottom line, the real essence, how is our life is really functioning, it is our self. I am the one who really sort of made my life, the good things and the bad things and the wonderful things and the ugly things are happening in our life. I am the engineer. I am the one creating this, my karma. I create my karma. My karmic result makes me to experience this and that. So the bottom line is, We are responsible for our deeds. And we can make difference to our life. As a matter of fact, I am the one who makes a difference to me. And you are the one who makes a difference to you. That doesn't mean there is no blessings. That doesn't mean there is no divine intervention. That doesn't mean although. But really, the true reality is we are responsible. And sometimes, even divine blessings cannot really reach to us because we are not open. Even Buddha, with the level of the Buddha, cannot liberate many of us. We are still here. We are still here. That because we did not do our part. When we did not do our part, we don't have karma to be able to do that and develop it. In one way, the karma is uh, such a huge monster that that somehow it is governing us. But on the other hand, it is the thing that we it is so simple. If I kill someone, even the police did not caught me, I can step. That's uh, in court of law. I cannot escape in court of karma. Because I am my own witness. And my deeds are I have to answer. It is uh, funny sometimes during the Buddha's lifetime, when Buddha was alive, there was a five hundred queen, not Buddha's queen, some five hundred queen decide queens of those little kings here and there. They decided to have a retreat and meditate and all that. And they sat together and they have attended. And since they retreat, they don't want so many attendants, but some some ministers and things like that, queens. And uh, while they are meditating, the house got burned because of fire and house burned. So many of those queens are spiritually highly developed, they have magical power. And each one of them flew one after another, they started flying in the air. It's like a fairy tale story, isn't it? What is the Harry, Harry Potter? but they don't have brooms to (laughs) ride. They started flying and they're very powerful and they're far where they want to fly but somehow they've been pulled back. They couldn't fly very far. The most important queen in there sort of meditated for a while in the air and she told everybody, if we don't pay our karmic things, who else will pay? So my karma, I have to pay. So she jumped back to fire. One after another, they all jumped back. All five hundred of them, unfortunately, be burned in there. There is one attendant, I don't know, there may be others, you know, according to this story, there's one attendant, an old lady, hunchback, old lady, you know. It's not the hunchback of the Rotterdam. <laughs> but, but a hunchback old lady. Not a man, a lady. She has no power to fly. So what she did is she jumped through the toilet and got out. And all these who can fly got burned. That's karma. Believe it or not. So that those that, that lots a lot of that story, that type of thing. If I have a time, I can keep on telling you this story for months together about this comic historical incidents. So in short, I don't want to take very long. In short, what happens is karma also has a rules and regulations. It's what, we don't call it rules and regulations. We call it the characteristic of karma. Basically, i like to tell you one thing. That is, the first thing what i like to say is karma multiplies so much. So much multiplication. It really goes up. I think they multiply much more than the mosquitoes. <laughs> good and bad karma both works in the same way. Good karma does not have advantage over bad karma. Bad karma does not have, neither have advantage or no disadvantage over good karma. It functions same way. Sort of number one, it is square, good and bad. It really equals over there. So when we have good karma, if we do not lost, it keeps on multiplying, like a good investment. And the bad karma equally, if we don't purify, it will give you liability. Multiplied life liabilities. Looks like bad embarrassment You cannot get rid of it. It will suck you through. So it's the past growing we call it. What happened is incident during the Buddha's lifetime. Then Buddha was you know Buddha carries begging ball and walks through. And there's a couple showed up, young couple showed up, and she was eating a uh, little, you know, those fried peas. The India, they eat a lot, they call it chana in Indian language, but it is actually fried peas, star fried peas, roasted peas they eat. The Buddha came by, so she sort of really looks like a beggar, you know, sort of she'll th- throw a little of... Uh, um, five peas in the Buddha's begging bowl, the five or six peas, nothing else, just low. And Buddha was, uh, looks Buddha short, he was happy to receive those peas, and he said, by the virtue of this, you will become Buddha. And uh, her boyfriend was jealous, and shocked, and surprised, and said, for God's sake, don't tell a lie, For a sake of five peas. That's what he told Buddha at that moment. Buddha said, No, Buddha never tell lie. Look at over there. What do you see? There's a tree, huge big tree. And I believe under the shade of that tree, about five horse carts parked. And Heat in India has no comparison with heat, what we have here. So, little tree and the shed. You know, the book says 500 horse cart, but how will that fit? <laughs> Under one shed. So that's, that's what I said 2,600 years ago, extra zero comes in. So anyway... <laughs> Maybe true extra zero. So anyway, Buddha said, look at that tree. He said, the tree was this big. And the seed of the tree is this small. And it's grown that big. Now you can park those horse carts under that. This is external. Even outside things growing that much. Why not inside things grow? That was the example he gave. So exactly, it's a positive growing. Now, since karma is a positive growing, it made a big difference, a lot of difference, a lot of difference for us. So if we purify our negativities, negative karma, That's why we go to temples. That's why we meditate. That's why we practice. That's why we do all those. Because our negativities can be, not only can be reduced, but we can even completely eradicate it. Why? Because our natural, the natural, of our You know the other day I talked, our mind, our consciousness, our soul, our nature is pure. There's nothing impure. Our nature is just like this beautiful sky, a blue, clean, clear, spacious, open. These negativities we have are like a cloud. And if you have the right type of wind, they will blow all these clouds away. The beautiful sky will remain and the sunshine. That is in our nature. These negative ones we create. It's a temporary create. That's why purification works. We can purify. That's why divine intervention works. That's why medical things happen. Because it is not in natural. And it is impermanent. No matter how much we have done wrong, we can become perfect because our nature is pure. How do we go? Om Alan Ginsberg translated that, and he says, "Nature empty." Everything is pure, naturally pure. That's what I am. That is Alan Ginsberg's translation of that first Buddha's mantra. So we are pure. We are wonderful. That's our nature. We are not bad. We are great. But we do have those clouds. That's not part of us. Is it there? Who created? We created. Who can purify? We can purify. If you don't have those dark clouds, we have this beautiful sunshine, wonderful in our life. How much clouds will come? Because if you turn to purify, it multiplies. If you purify, it goes away. Maybe the we Michigandans turn to purify too much. We have a gray weather all the time. <laughs> Another characteristic of the karma is definite. It is very definite. You can We create, if we create negative karma, its result will be suffering. If we create a positive karma, its result will be joy, happiness, and pleasure. That is what is definite. Example giving over here is if you like to grow, if you, you start growing, A sweet fruit, a tree. That's uh, mango. The mango was the example originally in India. You know what mango is? Everybody knows what mango is. Really sweet. They said there's only one king who does not know what mango is all about. A Tibetan story. Because mango doesn't grow in Tibet. One of his uh, sort of, a, not really a minister, but some, some sort of interesting guy who tells all kind of stories, talking to the king uh, about mango, and he does not know, the king does not know what mango is all about. He wanted to know. So one day he said, well, I can give you an example of how mango, you know, mango has a lot of, uh, what you call it, some mangoes have a, sort of, there are five, a lot of them. So what he did is he put honey on his beer and told the king <laughs> it's like the, the mangoes like that, so all the beers come out. <laughs> anyway, so we all know the mango. So mango is sweet fruit and uh, when you are growing mango and uh, you want to make that uh, sweet, sour, and uh, started growing whole opinion papers round the mango trees. That does not change the taste of mango, nor does it change the taste of whole opinion papers. That's what the karma is definite, is all about. But there's a two more, we just count it. Um, ah, it's simple. One never made the result if you have not created. That's the third one. And the fourth one, if you create it, it will never lose. You never lose. It will meet you no matter wherever, how long, whatever it may take. So basically, four important characteristics of karma. So karma is nothing stranger, nothing out there. And it is really our own deeds. And the bottom line of karma, we are responsible for our deeds, and I can make a difference for me and my family and my universe. So does each and every one of us because of karma. So it is so important. Spiritual practitioners, really, if we really wanted to have attending, lasting satisfaction, Key is here, kami key. If you have your kami key, you can open the door of happiness with that key and you can attend to last. It is the kama. That's why every tradition, East or West, every tradition, we will really talk about goodness. We will talk about discipline. We will talk about morality. And all of those, because of this reason. It's not somebody's good idea collected, put together. No. It is really tested for a thousand years with millions of people and knowingly. That's what is karma is all about that. That also tells us our future is in our own hand, nobody else. And I do hope we will help ourselves with this key. Thank you.